Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Yom Kippur sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. In a world of constant noise, even when it is quiet, it is hard to be fully present. We have news alerts, social media dings, text message beeps, email blasts, traffic honking, city symphony playing. It's exhausting. And it seems that with every new technological advancement, there is a flurry of new notifications with the illusion of urgency and importance. Every day we are challenged by myriad distractions that make it harder and harder to be present. Are we ever fully present today? We are a generation that thrives in documentation through photographs and video. Why? Because moments after a moment has occurred, we can replay it, relive it, re-feel it. We can bring the past into our present, recognizing the world does not need to see into each moment of life lived, but rather we are able to go back and glimpse at a moment that we know was special just for us. We bring our past along with us in our wallet, in our phones, on the walls of our home to influence the moments of our present that need reminders of joy, love, beauty, adventure, of life lived. On July 11th, 2022, the world was shocked by a technological event. The James Webb Space Telescope had made history that day by releasing its debut photos, jewel-strewn images that have been touted as our deepest yet look at the universe. I woke up from a nap after an early morning flight and walked into the living room to hear, it's hard to believe what we're seeing. A photograph that shows us today what our universe looked like 13.5 billion years ago a photograph that changes the meaning of being fully present to include new ideas about being present in our past. At this moment on Earth, I was standing in a living room and looking at a photograph that showed me the universe at the beginning of time. Awesome. And who cares? (laughs) The beginning of time was billions of years ago. And even if we can see what the stars looked like, It's not a photograph that shows me the Garden of Eden or Noah's flood. But does this new discovery mean that sentient beings, millions of light years away from us and millions of years into our future, could be looking at you and me right now, here on Earth? No, I promise I am not trying to sell you on a sci-fi film. But more poignantly, Could they be looking at my great-grandparents, alive and well in the 1970s? It's a disorienting discovery that you and I are living at the same time as beings past and future. Can I be living fully present in my past or fully present in my future? Is it healthy to live in memories? Is it wise for us to recall past experiences and history Shouldn't we strive to be more present and soak in the moments of now? In an article written in the Washington Post on August 21st, 
when looking back helps us move forward. Writer Daryl Austin quotes Erica Hepper from the University of Surrey in England saying, quote, far from keeping people living in the past, nostalgia can be a powerful resource, both for coping with difficult times and for propelling us positively into the future. Nostalgia is part of the fabric of everyday life. I remember very clearly as a child, my dad went away to Hawaii for a gig. He was going to be gone for a few days, but to a young child, that feels like forever. My mom gave me a vial of his cologne that was empty, but it still smelled like him. I was able to carry it around with me, and when I missed him, I could smell the empty bottle and feel like he was here, or at least be comforted with the memories of him being near me that held me until his return. We are not yet able to see our ancient ancestors with any kind of technology. Nor do I think that my uncle or grandmother or great-grandparents are able to see me right now. For one thing, our distances of time and space are not nearly great enough to facilitate that. But I can believe that seeing current images of a past means there are possibilities of time-bending we haven't dreamed up yet. Every Friday night, we inter interrupt time until Saturday night when we resume with Havdalah, a literal ritual of distinction back into time. We create a sanctuary in time, as Heschel put it, to be present, to cease from creation, to appreciate who we are right now and not worry about who we are to come. It's a day on which we are called upon to share in what is eternal in time, to turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation, from the world of creation to the creation of the world. And yet, in order to appreciate the present, must we acknowledge our past? We begin this sanctuary in time with Kiddush, a prayer over wine that in its explanation is all about creation. Yom hashishi vayechulu hashamayim vehaaretz vechotzevam vayachal Elohim bayom hashvihi melachto asher asa vayishpot bayom hashvihi mikol melachto asher asa. God made the seventh day holy, distinct from the other six days, uplifted and different because of the boundaries around time. And yet, a few lines later, we're brought back into memory of leaving Egypt because without that moment, we would not be in this moment. So even on a day where we are supposed to be most present, most centered in the here and now, we are whooshed back into a scene of our freedom from ages ago. Looking into our telescope to see a sea parting and our ancestors leaving to allow us this moment probably in a room of electricity and organic wine made in a city of your choice and probably bought in one of the hundreds of grocery stores you could have picked from. Choosing to be present and intentional with one foot firmly rooted always in our history. We have this unfortunate phrase in our society that often emerges when talking about someone who is going through grief. How will they move on? Move on? What does it mean to move on from someone you love, from memories you created, from homes you built, from the life that you curated? How do you move on from something, from someone that helped you define who you are? We don't move on, we move forward. 
I listened to a beautiful and heart-wrenching and hysterical TED Talk by Nora McInerney, where she talks about tragedy, specifically the tragedy of losing her husband, though she mentions losing a pregnancy and her father's death as well. She talks about people asking if she can move on, as if, quote, those were just moments that you can leave behind and probably should. She admits that when talking about her husband, she slips into the present tense because the people we love are still present for us. He's indelible, so he's present for me. We move forward. We do not move on. We use memories to uplift our steps into the future, realizing that our present is baked with ingredients from the past. Chadeshia menu kekedem. Renew our days as of old, a phrase that we sing each time we put our Torah away and a central theme of Tisha B'Av, move forward by looking backwards, renew your future by acknowledging your roots. Rabbi Robert Scheinberg says it means renew our lives as you renewed our lives after we were exiled from the Garden of Eden. Chadesh Yamenu Kekedem is then not a plea for restoration of a formerly perfect creation, but rather it is a plea for resilience, a plea for the ability to renew ourselves after future crises and dislocations, just as our lives have been renewed before. As Elie Wiesel said, God gave Adam a secret, and that secret was not how to begin, but how to begin again. We begin again by acknowledging that our past, our nostalgia for what was, is going to push us forward we need to smell that cologne, to sing those tunes, to retell those stories to move forward, not to move on. My uncle died when my cousin Joseph was two years old, and my aunt wanted to make sure that Joseph had a brother to grow up with. One morning, I received a call from my aunt asking if I would travel with her to Michigan to adopt a baby. My answer was yes before I could even think about it. However, then I focused on what this meant, what this adoption symbolized, and what my presence in the adoption experience illustrated for my family. It meant my uncle was no longer alive to accompany his wife to adopt a baby to be the final piece to their family. It meant that a family that should have been four went from a family of two to now becoming a family of three. The addition was a loud reminder of a tragic subtraction. I was sad to need to be asked because it meant that I was acknowledging that my uncle was not present to welcome in this child as his father. I had not moved on from his death, nor will I ever, but Daniel allowed us all to move forward. Daniel has never been a reminder of anything other than happiness, light, joy, completion, and life. In a beautiful way, Daniel embodies much of my uncle's personality, a person he never met, and yet a man he lovingly calls daddy when we bring up his memory. This family renewed our days of old by adding life after a curtain of darkness fell. We renewed our days by remembering a person who wanted to continue growing his family, who loved his kids more than anything, and who believed in planting seeds of joy for all those he encountered. My uncle lives on in Daniel in ways that are magical to witness. 
And after July 11th, serendipitously the day of my uncle's funeral eight years beforehand, I do believe that he can see me and us and witness our love and joy because of his impact on our life, not as a way of erasing his memory. Midrash Tanchuma expounds on the word Breshit to mean that God created the world through beginningness. The Midrash goes on to quote Proverbs 3.19, which says, Hashem bechokma yasad aretz. God with wisdom founded the earth. Meaning, just like our souls, which are created from something that came before us, God consulted the Torah before creating our world. Obviously, if we read the Torah as linear, that makes no sense. However, our rabbis are trying to explain that our world was created with foundational knowledge and baggage from our stories, ancestors, and the nostalgia we would feel in present creation. For example, when our people are leaving the desert and they're complaining about all that they had to leave behind in slavery in order to reach this new land as a new people, the rabbis commented that based on their nostalgia, they were scared and they wanted to go back to what was comfortable and known even if what was in front of them was much better and special. In this case, our nostalgia obscured our ability to see the future ahead of us rather than inspire us to take on a new adventure. The world is now able to see into the past, to look back as if in a time machine as to what our universe looked like at the beginning of time. We are now able to imagine that maybe, just maybe, our past truly does keep up with us. We could always feel it, but now we can see it. The stars that the telescope reveal may actually be long dead today, but as our ancient light makes the lengthy journey across the universe, the Webb telescope treats our mortal eyes to a one-of-a-kind time travel display. We can now realize what the broken tablets that we carried through the wilderness taught us, we are always living with the past influencing us. We are always living with the past seeing us. We are living and those we remember and those we miss, who maybe we never even met, are seeing us. Genealogy is a hobby for some and became quite a passion for many during COVID. My friend and colleague, Rabbi Scott Kalmakoff, taught a session at Beth Am at the beginning of the pandemic that may have been one of the most influential sessions we've offered as part of the Rembaum Institute. Scott walked us through how to find ancestors and how to easily connect to your past as a way of better understanding your future. I knew my dad would be interested in this, and so I connected the two of them. Scott took down some information from my dad about our family members and looked up material that we never knew existed and of course, some that we did, but was now resurfaced. Scott asked my dad and I to join him on a Zoom call one day and showed us pictures and lists of names of ancestors I didn't know I had. One picture was of a house in Brooklyn, very close to where my brother now lives. It was the home where my grandmother had lived, and with her now gone, my brother could go and visit her childhood home and bring a piece of her back to him. Another artifact was that I might be the first Rabbi Rebecca Schatz, but I am the second Rebecca Schatz in our family. One reason this is so interesting is because Rebecca was the name of my great-grandmother on my mother's side. So my father's side was not even known to be a connection to that piece of my name. 
I became emotional watching my dad get so excited with knowing this information. His eyes widened, his past becoming a major part of his present, and more than anything, his mom, my grandmother, who died 18 years ago, was very much brought back to life in her history being uncovered. Genealogy allows us to live even more deeply in this moment by understanding who came before us to gift us with our life now. My mom started a family Shiva tradition of covering our mirrors during Shiva with pictures of the deceased rather than a sheet or a towel. Why? Because instead of just removing a focus of yourself and vanity, we are helped to focus on the joy and the broad memories of our loved one and our lives in their company. We remember someone prompted by the photos, prompted by remembering life with them. We are in the present and past at the same time. I'll be honest, in this time of reflection and confession, being fully present in the here and now, it's very difficult for me. I work at being present for others, but in my own life, I am often five steps ahead or ruminating on the past. On a trip, I'm planning the next one. I'm making a meal, but I'm planning on how those leftovers will be used for the next week. It's a goal of mine to be more present this year, to recognize that the moment you are in is the most important moment of life. The Dalai Lama said there are only two days in the year that nothing can be done. One is yesterday, and the other is called tomorrow. Today is the right day to love, to believe, to do, and to mostly live. And that's my charge for myself and maybe for you this year, to be present in each of my moments because if I am so busy planning for my future, I'll miss out on what's happening right now. Hineni, here I am right now, grateful for how I got here, who allowed me to be in this moment and for the experiences, the challenges, the triumphs and trials that life has thrown my way to arrive here right now as this version of myself. Remember that TED talk by Nora McInerney? She concludes by saying, the memory of meeting her late husband will always be happy. The memory of losing him will always be sad. Remarrying helped her realize that her love for her husbands are not opposing forces, they're just strands to the same thread, the thread of love and partnership. Those of us going through grief don't close ourselves around the loss. We keep living, but the experience of loss marks us and makes us who we are. The loss is not a moment in time. It cannot be fixed, and we need each other to help each other remember. You will be grieving and able to love in the same breath, she says. You will move forward, but you will not move on. Whether you are here remembering someone who died many years ago, or in the last year, or the last month, or even the last few days, the idea that our loved ones live amongst us can bring comfort Looking through this telescope, it might be that our future and our past are catching glimpses of this present moment. However, what is even more evocative 
is the way that we feel when remembering the past with a loved one. The way they made us smile, the jokes we shared with only them, the smell of their cologne, the firmness of their hugs, the memories created that have helped us in our life since their passing. We all wish for more present moments with those we have lost. And if we each live life with our present fully rooted and flourishing because of our past, well then they live within each moment that we move forward. My uncle is the funniest man I know. Not was, because I still compare him to anyone who tells a joke. My grandmother is the life of every party and loves seeing her family come together. Not was, because I do believe we feel her joy whenever we are all able to celebrate as a full family. My great-grandmother is the reason my family comes together every Friday night for Shabbat dinner. No, she is no longer alive, but our traditions and our rituals remain prominent in our homes in her memory. I have not moved on from loving those important people in my life, but I am lucky to move forward, trying to live more and more in the present moment by staying rooted with my past. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.